Hey, I'm Michael. I'm with Cyber Safetyine. And today we're going to be talking to Art McFadden. He is our chief technology officer, as well as a retired uh, police officer, detective, and administrator with the Franklin Police Department in Kentucky. And Art has an extensive history working crimes against children and uh, missing children as well. So what we're going to be talking about today is some of the things that parents need to think about, not really for the identikid kit uh, when children are little, but as teenagers, things that parents need to hold on to or have available to them in case, uh, God forbid, their children, their child comes up missing. Aren't you there? Yes, sir. And uh, I'm glad to be here today. Yeah. Uh, Go ahead. I want to talk about, uh, uh, like Mike said, uh, worst case scenario, God forbid, what you can do to assist the police in their investigation. And there's a lot of laws that help law enforcement uh, get the information they need very quickly, but it's even faster if you're prepared ahead of time. Right. So really well, let, me, on. let me ask you this. Uh, with, with the parent, like uh, there's one case I had in particular, a uh, 13 year old girl had been grounded because she was doing things online. She shouldn't have been. And actually I'll tell you how long ago it was. Uh, she actually ran up the long distance phone bill. Uh, so that t tells you, it was one of the first missing children we had for a online uh, investigation. It was back in the late 2000s. And this girl, she was grounded because of the phone bill. And her mom knew she was talking to a lot of people that she should have been talking to, grown men online at 13 years old. And she says, she's been grounded for about a week, says, hey, mom, can I go to the store? I've been in, cooped up in this house. Just walk to the store, get a Coke, and I'll come back. Mom says, sure, you can do that. So she leaves, and it should have been about a 30, 45-minute trip. And a 30, 45-minute trip turns into two hours. She's still not home. She's calling her phone. She's not answering. Mom starts calling her friends. They haven't seen her. So she's thinking, well, maybe she's hiding out or going somewhere. After about four hours, mom gets really worried, uh, calls the police. And when the officers get there, they talk to her, and they do uh, what we both know or heard of as a, a ping on the phone. And the ping on the phone comes back two states away. So mom obviously is freaking out. Law enforcement knows it's very serious. They call me, end up coming out to the scene uh, and investigating the computer, finding where she's been talking to some people uh, out of Kansas. And we ended up locating those people. Long story short, she is pretending to be an 18-year-old. And a 19-year-old thought he was going to pick up an 18-year-old to save her from an abusive home which the 13-year-old said she was living in, uh, but didn't realize she was 13. And she was, she was a big 13-year-old. She's probably around six foot tall at 13 years old, so she could pass for somebody older. But, you know, that was back in the late 2000s. As we're entering into 2020, what are some things that parents, if they come in that situation, are going to need when law enforcement shows up? You know, Mike, I think all of us that were detectives for any length of time, we've all worked – a similar case, just change the name. Uh, we've all been there and done that. And unfortunately, that's getting more and more common and parents need to be prepared for it. So you had mentioned identikit and uh, we did that with our children and we did fingerprint and maybe we did a buccal swab and we got took a picture of them and all that kind of good stuff. And now what we're looking at also is the digital life of these young people. So law enforcement's got a bunch of tools uh, and the law supports us as far as getting this information quickly. 
but it's still not as fast as when a parent says, this is the information I have on the child and now you have a starting place. So let's talk about what information that parent would want about that child. And the most obvious things are, let's look at the platform the child's using. The smartphone that the child has, is it iPhone or is it Android? Those are the two most popular platforms right now. So the first thing we gotta do is look at their iPhone account or their Android account, which is by Google. So we want the username, which is the full email address, plus the password. And I hear parents say, but can't law enforcement get that? Yes, but it takes time. And we're talking about seconds here, guys. We're not talking about minutes or hours. We want this information extremely quickly. And at the end of this, uh, we'll talk about a case that I had uh, somewhere to Mike's, but on the other end of the spectrum, uh, it was an older person and how this information can assist us. So we want the parent to know the username and password of their primary account, whether it be for Android or Apple. But that's not all we want. We want everything. We want social media accounts. We want username and passwords. We want the names and usernames and passwords for any app the child has on their phone. These are all things that would help us locate the child quickly or at least give us clues. Uh, okay, well, let, let me ask you, let me ask you this. What, tell the listeners why that you would need uh, the email address associated with the phone. How, does, how would that help you? That is the fastest way for me to physically locate that device. Uh, these kids don't walk around without a phone. We all know this. Right. I mean, we don't even do that. We're no children. Uh, what about for the, for the, well, basically we, we could use the same thing that the parents can use, right? So find my iPhone, find my Android and log right. in on those credentials and, and hopefully you can see uh, where they are through GPS. How, how does the uh, username and password help well, on social media accounts or through apps? How would that help uh, law enforcement find these children faster? We're looking for clues. Who's this kid hanging out with? What are the latest transactions they had with somebody else as far as communications go? Who have they been communicating with? Uh, mm -hmm. We want to know all these things. We're talking about a missing persons case here. So we're not trying to invade somebody's privacy, but we've got to find this individual. We've got to find them fast. And Mike, you and I, I think we can agree on this. Uh, there is no expectation of privacy when it comes to a child. Uh, when we hear parents say, well, I don't invade the person's, you know, my child's privacy. We're talking about saving lives. I'm not concerned about, you know, if this child thinks, well, I, why do I have to have their username and password? They're your child. You've got to have this information about them. Right. So most kids today, they don't uh, sit there and talk on the phone. It's either through chatting, through messaging, through some sort of digital communication. So on, on our side, on the law enforcement side, you know, there's, there could be some clues, like I'm sure there's some chatting. If someone's going to plan to run away, they're not going to just do it, right? They're going to they're right. talk to somebody about it. They have a plan to do it. So we're going to be looking for some of those kind of just uh, the breadcrumbs of, of who they're talking to, uh, maybe even the plans. Now, I would expect that most people are going to get rid of those uh, uh, specific plans if, the, if a lot of kids who are, I guess, kind of more up-to-date on the technology, but still you're going to be able to see who they've been talking to recently. And that can, right. that can lead you to where they're at. And you brought up a good point. Let's talk about browser history. Uh, I had a case one time where the kid looked up the Greyhound bus schedule. That was a specific piece of information that was a great value to me during that investigation. So it's not just, what if the phone's off? Can't locate you anymore, right? Phone's off. Yep. But if I have browser history, I have history and communications 
on all of your on that child's apps, I still have clues as to what was the child thinking, researching, looking at online, who are they talking to? You know, back in the day when we took a missing persons report, the easy questions were, who's your kids hang out with? Uh, what are their hobbies? You know, that type of stuff. That's still a relevant question, but now we're looking at it from the online point of view. We're not going to be looking at it uh, going to the child's physical friends and saying, hey, what did they talk about? We may do that, but the first thing we're going to look at is their online presence and what were they looking at online. Right, and you made a, brought up a good point about the, the Greyhound. It's all about speed, too. So, you know, if you find out that they're going to – they try to – they've taken a bus or had a bus ticket or maybe had one sent to them, something to that effect, it doesn't do you a whole lot of good if you don't see that information for a week or two weeks after they're already gone. We need that information now. You know, it's, you know the sooner the better because they're only going to be on – if they're on the bus, they're only going to be on the bus for a certain amount of time. And, you know, we want to make sure that we, we get them before uh, they get into the wind, really. Absolutely. Or they get to a perpetrator. You know, let's say somebody's going to do them harm and you're looking at a runaway case. Uh, and we all know how the child predators work. What if that child is going to a perpetrator? We want to get that kid before they even think about getting there. So it's all about getting the clues. And one thing you brought up, Mike, uh, and that was interesting, it was on speed. Federal law and Kentucky law both support the same thing. They make it very clear. And it says law enforcement, under certain circumstances, you can forget about a search warrant the information's yours because we're talking about life in jeopardy, particularly when it comes to a juvenile. That's true, but here's the problem. It takes time. It's a lot faster if parents give us the information, go, here's the username, here's the password, here's everything we got, and then we can get to work. And we don't have to worry about, does that operator that I'm speaking to on the phone know what the federal law says? Uh, I've had cases where they're like, well, you know what? I need you to write me a letter on letterhead, fax it to me, let my supervisor look it over, and then we'll get you the information. And they were within the law on that. They mm -hmm. had a legal right to ask me for that information. They wanted to confirm I was a police officer. They wanted to confirm I had a valid case, right? You don't want to just turn this information over to somebody that says they're a cop over the phone. But if mom or dad can give us the information, we don't even have to worry about bothering these people and we can get a lot faster. Right, right. And let me, you know, we, we've dealt with this and uh, through through our agencies and a lot of the detectives that we worked with with the Secret Service Task Force uh, know how to do these things. But unfortunately, there are a lot of officers out there, and no fault of their own, they're just not trained in how to do it. Uh, so when when mom or dad call and say, "Hey, uh, you know, if my child's missing," they may just look to take a report and file that report. Uh, what are some maybe some ways that the uh, parents can can say, hey, can you, you know, what, what should the, we talk about what the parents should have, but what should the uh, parents ask for the law enforcement to do uh, if they do have to make a report and the officers don't seem to understand uh, how important the social media and electronic evidence is? What should the, what should the parents ask for the, the officers to, uh, to do? You know, Mike, you brought up a good point. You and I could talk about this for hours. Uh, about this, which we're we asking law enforcement <laughs> to be experts in just about everything. Uh, in reality, we can't expect that. And you and I had an advantage of being, uh, well, you know, the term is still valid. We were cyber cops. You can't expect every police officer in the United States to have this information. So you're right. Parents need to be able to assist law enforcement with this. So when that officer responds, that may be a patrol unit. 
It may not even go to a detective yet. We're talking about the initial stages. Uh, what I would love for a parent to do is walk up to that uniformed police officer who's the first one responding to that call and say, here is username, password of all the following. Here's what you can do with it. Mom and dad, you need to be armed with this information. What does that data allow you to do? And what we're looking at is we want to help that officer find this, the child or the last known location of the child at least, and then start looking at, like you said, the breadcrumbs. So we want mom and dad to say, kid's got a Facebook account. Here's the username and password. Here's how you can get in. I know it's valid. Here is their uh, Gmail account. And we can locate them doing this. And that also uh, makes reminds me to tell our listeners something. Uh, don't assume these things work. Please test them. Mom and dad, make sure you know how to locate that child. Make sure that the phone has that service turned on. Make sure that you've taken any steps you have to to give that officer that technical ability uh, right off the bat. It, it, it's a horrible feeling if someone says, well, I think I'm safe, and then it hits the fan, and then you realize, oh, gosh, that doesn't work out the way I wanted it to. So let's make sure that we can locate these things. And uh, we used to call it in case I call missing. And, you know, that's still a valid term. And it's a compilation of data about that individual. And in this example that we're talking about, we're talking about the children. And that goes along with all those things and their hobbies. Uh, also, gaming platforms. We can't forget about those. What's your kid do online? Are they in the Xbox? Into the what? What are they in? And what are the username and passwords for that one? Parents don't realize that is actually a social media platform. So not only are we worried about the device in their hand, you know, that smartphone, but what are they doing online with gaming? And what is their screen name or their username for that service as well? Now, we'll kind of switch gears here. Uh, I've come to kind of the end of this, this, this episode, and there are a lot of parents who are raising kids but are also having to take care of their, their parents uh, who maybe some people have some uh, physical ailment or uh, especially with dementia. There, there's a big, uh, basically a safety problem that the parents have to deal with. T let's talk about your case that you had and, and how this was actually helpful uh, to, to parents to find their parents or the grandparents yeah, my, of these kids. Uh, you know, we got people living longer and hopefully healthier uh, and we want them to enjoy life. And what we can do with technology is we can give these patients more freedom than we could 20 years ago because we have technology that assists us with this. And someone you and I are personal friends with uh, that approached us, uh, it's not the particular case you're referring to, I'll talk about that here in a minute, but I'm thinking about our, our common friend that asked us to help her uh, with her father who got hit with one of these illnesses. And what we can do with our older patients and our loved ones is we can still give them uh, freedom and give us the satisfaction knowing I'm taking some steps to make them safe. And we're gonna do the same thing with these older patients that we are with these children. Can I locate that individual immediately? And uh, one of the things that we're seeing is with the smartphones, whether no matter what platform, a lot of these smartphones and smart watches, wearable technology, uh, can be located independently. Only a few years ago, you could not locate that watch unless that watch was in proximity of that smartphone. That's no longer a true statement. So if we have the smartphone or the smart watch on the patient, we can now locate the patient. And of course, we also have some biometrics that we can look at uh, along with them. You know, hey, I know they're on the, the watch is on their arm. How do you know that? Because there's a heartbeat. 
okay, now we know the patient is got the watch on their person, they're walking around, and we can locate them immediately. Uh, this turned out to be very helpful on two of my cases, and uh, they're both golden alerts. I got them solved before I even got the paperwork. Explain what a golden alert is. Okay, People have heard of Amber Alert, but what's right? a golden so alert? A golden alert is when we're missing an older patient. And these are older patients that uh, have got a mental uh, health issue going on, dementia, Alzheimer's, like you said. And those are horrible diseases. And we're not talking about, hey, maybe they don't need to be uh, you know, not taken out of their home. We just got to give them a little TLC. And that's our job as loved ones. So the case was, on both of them, uh, was a goal alert. I got there. And the first case was I got there and the adult child who was my age, you know, in their 40s, said, listen, you know, it's my loved one. Uh, first one was a mother. And, uh, you know, she's got dementia. Okay. I've got the username and password. And they were in motion. And I was able to send a patrol unit and said, hey, set up at that intersection. I got a car coming towards you. Here's what the vehicle description is. Make traffic stop on it and give me a call. We get the patient stopped and they were confused as to where they were and uh, no big deal, got home. Second case, and this one was even funnier uh, from a humor standpoint, uh, the adult child this particular time was a male and couldn't find dad's username and password. I got back to my office, get a phone call from the child who's an adult and said, here's the username and password. It was an iPhone. And Mike, I, I can't, I'll never forget this one. I'm sitting at my desk in Franklin, Kentucky, and I log in, and the phone looks like it's sitting on top of my PD. I'm like, what the heck is this? They were on the square, which if you're familiar with Franklin Police, uh, is one block off the square in Franklin, Kentucky. I walked out my back door, looked to the left, and the guy was sitting on a bench on the square. I walked up to him and said, are you so-and-so? Yep, sure am. I sat down next to him, called the child, who's an adult, and said, uh, your loved one is fine. I'm sitting next to him and we're on the square. Why don't you come out of here and uh, get someone else to drive this car and let's go on. So we can use technology to help safeguard our loved ones. Now, what we got to be careful about is safeguarding that information. And of course, Mike can't go throughout uh, you know, doing a podcast without talking about <laughs> cybersecurity. Uh, we got to have strong passwords, people. Uh, you know, we say six characters, then we said eight characters. Now we say 10. Now we're saying 12. So, yes, I want you to have the username and password, but please make sure it's a strong password. We don't want anybody to. <laughs> and that is. Some of, yeah, I, I, Mike, I couldn't do that's a, the, an interview our, without throwing that in yeah. there. You know that's that, right? That, oh, yeah. This, I had no doubt you'd bring something. Yeah, yeah that's, that's that's you've got to go there somewhere with it. Uh, but, yeah, let's, <laughs> awesome. let's use technology to safeguard our loved ones, whether we're talking about a small child or an older person uh, with some mental health issues. Uh, let, we can give people more independent living with using this technology as well. And also from an adult child standpoint it's nice knowing hey listen yeah my loved one they got some issues but i know they're at home i know they're safe uh their watch is on their wrist i know it because there's a heart being being detected uh these are all things that we can help give us a little bit of a comfort feeling at the same point in time still giving independence to these individuals but let's let's leverage technology against the bad guys for once that is that is awesome uh and i definitely want to have you back and we can talk about uh, more the, you know, the older parents, how to keep them safe physically, but also through uh, their, as you know, they're, they're high on the victim list of people who are scamming uh, 
individuals, out of money, out of property. So we, 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 we'll come back to, on a, a different podcast and talk about that, how, yeah, how Mike, children, adult children can keep their, their parents safe as well. You and I both know as detectives, who, who do the bad guys prey on? The very weak and the very young. Why? Because they're the most vulnerable parts of our society. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Excellent. Well, we'll sign off here. Again, my name is Mike Lemon. This is Art McFadden. We're with CyberSafe Teen, and we are here to make cyber safety simple so you can keep your loved ones safe. You have a good day.